You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nickaruk, episode 14, Becoming Batman and Why This Caped Crusader is Good for Your Brain. Hello, Teacher Brain. Before we get started today, I just wanted to ask you to remind me to share something with you at the end of the episode that I'm super excited about. Okay? Perfect. Thanks. All right. Question. Who is your favorite superhero and why? Pull a group of six to 10 year olds on this and you'll get various predictable responses. Superman, Iron Man, Wonder Woman, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Supergirl, and Batman. Always Batman. Whenever I think of Batman though, I think of, and I don't know if you remember this, um, but there was this series of NFL Snickers commercials from like 1997 where a New York quarterback gets sacked in a game and knocked out. And the coach comes over to assess his mental state and asks him, are you okay? And he brushes it off and he says, I'm fine. And the coach asks, where are you? And he says, I'm in New York. And the coach says, who am I? And he chuckles and he says, your coach. And then the coach asks, and who are you? And he suddenly gets this like super serious look on his face. And he goes, I'm Batman. <laughs> it cracks me up every time. Anyway, I've linked it to the show notes in case you want to see it for yourself. But side note, in my memory, it was Joe Montana, like 100% I was sure of it. But when I searched for it on YouTube, it seems it's just this like random player in a green uniform, like an unidentified player. So isn't it interesting how our brains work? Anyway, why the fascination with Batman? Maybe because, as my friend Althea eloquently put it once, he's not really a superhero. He doesn't have superior speed or strength. He's just a man who, despite experiencing personal tra tragedy, uses his resources to fight against corruption and protect those who are most in need. So good. And, and that's the key right there. Batman, despite repeated adversity, continues to fight for good. He is the epitome of resilience, persistence, and courage. What does that mean? It means he's got grit in spades. He does not give up. He perseveres. By definition, resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, or the ability to adapt successfully in the face of stress and adversity. The definition of perseverance is very similar. Steady persistence on a course of action, um, a purpose, a state, etc., especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. And courage, the ability to do something that frightens one, strength in the face of pain or grief. So that's a pretty killer combination. No wonder Batman is con a consistent favorite. So how is he good for the brain? Well, we all know the adverse effects um, stress has on the brain and our health. The increase in cortisol wreaks havoc on memory center and learning as all the blood rushes away from your brain and into your extremities to prepare to fight or flee. Your immune system shuts down, digestion halts, blood pressure goes up, all kinds of wacky things happen. And that's just with acute stretch stress, which our brains and bodies were designed to handle like spotting a tiger when we're out gathering food. We detect an imminent, uh, immediate threat. Because our brain is designed to keep us safe, it alerts the body, which prepares to face that threat or flee from it. 
But when the threat is gone, a short time later, our system resets to its normal effective functioning. We can breathe normally, um, restoring oxygen to our brains and organs. Our amygdala settles its role. Our blood pressure normalizes and we can enjoy all the wonders of regular digestion again. The problem is that in society today, while we're not facing literal tigers when we go out to forage for food, we are putting our brains and bodies in a perpetual state of chronic stress through social comparison, our career stressors, pressures from social media, performance anxiety, parenting, traffic, the COVID pandemic, and so on. So among many other consequences, and if you haven't listened to episode seven about stress, you can go back there after this for more details, but being exposed to chronic stress and not having the tools to handle that stress actually physically shrinks the brain. Our prefrontal cortex, which is the human thinking part of the brain, shrinks. So this is why it's drilled into us in teacher's college that we need to make sure our students' minds are on, that they're calm and alert and ready to go before we can teach them anything. It's why we spend the first quarter of the school year building community and routines. Those little brains literally cannot learn if they are in a state of stress, with cortisol streaming through there like poison. So remember, your brain is always working to keep you in the safe and familiar, and it does this by continually scanning the environment for threats to its connection to the group. Building resilience gives us the tools to combat, effectively manage, and cope with stressors we face on a daily basis, real or interpreted, because as we know, it is not what is happening in the world that actually causes our stress. It's what we are thinking about what's happening, our thoughts that cause us to feel stress. Um, more of that in episode two. Um, resilient people have the ability to adapt successfully in the face of stress and adversity. And someone who hasn't built up their resilience has a decreased ability to combat stress, and therefore they're more vulnerable to those adverse effects. And They've found even now that virtually all chronic illnesses link back to stress as the root cause. So yes, Batman is resilient. Yes, resilience is important. So what? what's the connection? Well, there's actually something called the Batman effect, and this is so cool. Okay, so, and this study has been re replicated in many different ways, but essentially children are given a frustrating or impossible task or unsolvable puzzle. For example, in one version conducted by um, a group called Reflection Sciences, uh, the kids, and this was with four to six-year-olds, they choose a toy they want to play with, and then it was put into a clear plexiglass box, which was locked with a key. The kids were given a ring of keys and told that they could play with the toy, but they had to first find the correct key to open the box, none of which was the right key. So the researchers were looking to see how long the children would persist at trying to get inside the box, how many keys they tried, how long they tried for before they gave up. They had three groups of participants. So the first group thought of themselves in the first person. So as they were, their own thoughts and feelings as they experienced them for themselves, as they worked through the task. And the second group were to think of themselves in the third person. So they would talk to themselves using their name. And the third group took on the persona of somebody they felt was uh, had good self-control, good emotional control, perseverance, and resilience. 
that group was asked to choose a character that they wanted to pretend to be while they worked on the task, and Batman was a frequent choice. So the researchers uh, gave, even gave the kids a cape to wear to help them get like into the role. And they instructed them to, when they got frustrated, to ask themselves, how is Batman feeling along the way? So in the first group, they asked themselves, how am I feeling? And in the second group, how is their name? How is Sarah feeling? Um, and can you guess which group stuck to the task the longest? Batman, yeah. Not only that, but they were better able to regulate their emotions during the frustrating task, and they had the more positive self-talk throughout. So in fact, the researchers determined that children of age five who pretended that they were the character performed as if they were six years old, whereas those who didn't perform, uh, so were those who didn't uh, like act as a character, so those in the first and second groups, they performed as a typical five-year-old would. So we're talking a 12-month advantage, cognitively and or emotionally speaking, with just this simple suggestion. That's pretty incredible. Cool brain hack. So why? How does it work? So it's about something called psychological distancing. Everything's about distancing these days. Psychological distancing involves mentally separating oneself and stepping back from the immediate situation and environment. So it puts distance or space, and sometimes it's physical and psychological, uh, between the person and the problem or the puzzle or the temptation that they're trying to resist. And it's in that space that allows for a broader perspective on the situation. Um, it gives flexibility and control in our thinking and behavior and a window of reflection to help realize that we have a choice in how we respond versus like tunnel vision, knee-jerk reaction to go for the first thing that comes to mind, the instant gratification, the immediate reward, and then getting frustrated when, when they don't get it. All right, so let's run these, this through Jim Quick's three questions. How can we use this? Why must we use this? And when will we use this? So how? In the classroom, for starters, um, the kids might brainstorm a list of superheroes, talk about the characteristics of superheroes. They might build them with something, um, thinking like Play-Doh or Plasticine or Lego. They might graph the, pop the popularity of their choices. They might write and act out a scene starring their superhero. They might move around like their favorite hero. They might create their own superhero. They might make superhero trading cards. There's all kinds of stuff you could do with this, academically speaking. Uh, why would we use this? So hopefully this episode has already answered that question for you. Giving our little brains the chance to build their resilience, perseverance, and courage has important brain benefits. It increases their reflection time, reduces hot reactions, builds their ability to handle stress and adversity, and improves their self-talk. When? So what about during tricky math or reading tasks or even building a building or balance challenge you know, situations that we know we can anticipate that students will experience some level of frustration and they'll have to persevere. Oral presentations, conflicts at recess, there's so many opportunities for our littles to have a go at this. With the older kids, their quote unquote superheroes may be different. Maybe they are not, maybe they are. Maybe it's more like famous or familiar people they admire who embody the qualities of perseverance, resilience, and courage, like Malala, Chris Hadfield, Oprah, J.K. Rowling, 
I mean, I would introduce them to as many examples of young folks as I could, like people that they can relate to more easily in their age group. Um, but that could be a project on its own, connected to biography writing or a passion project or visual arts. Like there's so many possibilities. And what about you, teacher brain? How, why, and when will this come in handy for yourself? I have already put it into action in terms of my goal setting and a couple other things. I've adopted um, a new and like life-changing goal setting framework that I learned in my neuro coaching course, which starts with identifying someone who embodies the characteristics, practices, and mindset you want to have. And then you break down the behaviors and actions that and decisions that they would have to take in order to achieve what they have, which is what you want. And then you take the steps as they would, imagining yourself as them, um, to get there. So it's super effective. It works in the same way as, as, as this, this Batman effect. It gives you the psychological distance to see things more objectively and reflectively. Plus, it's kind of fun to imagine yourself as someone else, like someone you admire. Or um, you can piece together a combination of people and make up your own perfect, perfect hero and ask yourself the question that I learned from Chris Hadfield, how can I turn myself into fill in the blank, the type of person who, how can I start, turn myself into Beyonce? How can I turn myself into, for Chris Hadfield, it was an astronaut. And then you start stepping into that role. You make all your decisions to move toward that. It really is super cool. And speaking of goals and stepping into them, at the beginning of this episode, I asked you to remind me of something that I'm super excited to share. So thank you for remembering because I totally would have forgotten if I were on my own. Um, at the time of this recording, it is May 2020, and we are on week about 100, 876 of social distancing and home learning uh, because of the COVID pandemic. It is also the time of year when we get our teaching assignments for September. So which grade we're going to teach, what room we'll be in, if we're switching schools or roles, um, who's on our teaching team, all of those exciting things. And so we start thinking ahead to what our year is going to look like. And while this coming year is going to be a bit less predictable, we can still set the vision for what we want our year, our program, our class to look like. So if you'll indulge me for a second and close your eyes, if it is safe to do so, not while you're driving, although I'm not really sure where you'd be driving to, but if it's safe to, please close your eyes. Imagine you're walking down a hallway and there are two doors, one on the right and one on the left. Through the door on the right is your ideal class and teaching situation. Next year and really from now on, what does it look like? What does it look like? What does the room look like? What's in there? What do your students look like? What are they doing? Who are you working with? How are you feeling? You can create any picture you want. Imagine all the details. How are your kids? What are they doing? How are they feeling? Where are they working? 
What kinds of things are you doing? Are you inside? Are you outside? What's the lighting like? Notice if you're thinking about the way things were pre-COVID-19 or if you're imagining something different. A lot of people are saying, I can't wait to get back to normal. And yeah, we can go back to the way things were. We can go back to the busy and the stress and the wishing we had more time and the pushing kids to perform and the doing all the things and the being overwhelmed. We can totally do all that again. And if that's what you're envisioning, then there you go, fill your boots. But if you're like me, thinking of the possibilities, thinking of the changes that we can make, thinking of taking what we've learned during this time and what opportunities that have come out of this and bringing that forward and really wanting to switch things up. I don't want to go back to like, do you want to go back to the frantic overwhelm? I I don't want to go back to the insane busyness, the I wished more time for more time off. I wished for more time with my family. I mean, this isn't exactly how I envisioned that happening, but I want to carry this forward. I want to not have this all to have happened for naught. I think that would be the biggest shame of all, not capitalizing on the opportunity for growth that this time has afforded us. Okay, so you're going down that hall again. What is behind the door on the right? It's your ideal classroom as you envisioned it. It's set up the way you'd love it to be. It's filled with the students you can't wait to work with. It's brimming with all the resources you could wish for. The team that you're with is cheering you on. They're chanting your name. It's a doorway to teaching with peace, calm, confidence, support, time with your family, new adventures, and learning. Maybe there's even another door out the back that leads you outside where you can't wait to take those kids to extend their learning. Everything you need, want, and dream of is behind that door. And so I have an idea, and I'm looking for you to join me. I am creating a membership community for teachers who share my vision, my vision of switched on learners and teachers who are really actually engaged in their learning and have an awareness of how their mind works. They know how to manage their thinking and feelings, you know, like that self-regulation, but like not in the sense of compliance. I want to say self-awareness and mind management and they and you know how to make your brains work for you. Teachers working together, doing things differently, not carting armloads of work home with them every night, frantically trying to throw together lesson plans and study units, but being free to spend time with their families, students showing their learning in all kinds of incredible ways. And they're so excited to be there with you every day, so excited. And yet there's just this sense of, inner calm and peace and stillness, self-awareness that is to be admired and truly benefit their mental wellness and yours. And so if that is something you think you'd be interested in, I'd love for you to join me behind that door on the right. Or you can go into the room on the left, which is just as you left it, pre-COVID-19, everything is as it was, everything is the same, untouched, 
You have the same stuff, the same people, the same pressures, same busyness as you had before. We'll call it a comfortable chaos room (laughs) because you know that our brain works very hard to keep us in the familiar. So even though this door leads to chaos, overwhelm, just trying to get through the day, month, school year, whatever, considering taking a stress leave, it's familiar. It's your comfort zone and your brain wants to keep you there. That door on the left is always available to you. You can go back there at any time. But if you want something more, more for yourself, more for your students, more from your program, I hope you will join me through the door on the right. It is a sunny, delightful place. Will it be uncomfortable at times? For sure. Will it be will we be tempted at times to sneak or maybe bolt through the door on the left? Maybe, likely. But we're going to channel our inner Batman. We are going to persevere. We're going to support each other and build this puzzle together. Even though we may not know how, we are going to stay focused on our vision, our big picture, and it will all fall into place. And if you're looking forward to going back to the way things were, just going back, putting your head down and making it through this year, then I love you and go to the left because you're in the wrong room and you won't be happy here. But if you want to join me in the room on the right, I would love to have you. Now, I don't know what all the details are going to look like yet. I'm not sure about the tech part. I only have a rough framework for what for the whole thing, but I, I want to make sure I build this in a way that brings the most value to you. I want to be sure, to, I want it to be super simple and easy for everyone. Plus, we don't fully know what school is going to look like in September yet on the heels of this pandemic. So we may have to shift things along the way, which is fine with me. And I wouldn't, it and wouldn't it be great to tackle that with a supportive group of like-minded people too? What I do know is that I'm really good at puzzles and I'm seeing this as a big puzzle. So, you know, we've got the vision, the picture on the box to guide us. We just made that together and we will figure out all the pieces and how they fit along the way. When you tackle a puzzle, you don't pull the puzzle out of the box and start worrying about how you're going to get it together. You just look, you keep looking to that big picture and you work piece by piece to put it in. And I'm really good at breaking things down into manageable sized pieces. And so I can help in that way. I can help you with the how to's, the finding assessment data in the big picture, and we will build this puzzle together. And if I'm not the one, the most qualified to help in a certain area, then I will bring someone in who is. So that's what I'm envisioning. If you are interested, now is the time to get in. So first of all, you will have a say in how this thing shapes into being. Um, I'm aiming to have it all ironed out and ready to really go, quote, unquote, out there in public for the end of July um, so that people have time to implement some stuff and prepare for September. But in the meantime, I will take your feedback um, to work on building this thing so that you can take it in our current situation while also projecting forward into this in-school framework. And secondly, this will be the lowest price I will ever offer this at. And I wanted to present this to you first because you're my insiders. So for you, this will be the only time it is available at this founding price of $14.99 a month, or you can um, save yourself a few bucks and pay for the year 
um, in advance for 165. Either way, as founding members, you will be grandfathered in at that low price for life, as long as you remain a member in good standing. Um, in July, when I take this out for public, I will be raising the price, but as founding members, no matter the increase, you will be locked in at your original $14.99 a month or $165 for the year. And so now is your chance to come together to work with a community of like-minded teachers, get things planned out so that we do take what we've learned from this time and we reimagine what school could look like for kids and teachers. We work together and we support each other and we'll have all the tools and resources within there. So if you're in to the room on the right, if you're ready to walk through that door with me, send me an email. It's info at teachinglittlebrains.com. And let's get this thing started. I'm so excited that this is coming to fruition. Uh, I've been working on this for about a year now in my mind, and I have a ton of ideas swirling around in my brain, and I'm going to break it down, like I said, into puzzle-sized pieces, and I want to know what you want. I want to know what would be helpful to you. So with a lot of stewing in my brain, um, and coaching of my own, seeking support for my thinking. I'm finally channeling my inner Batman myself to get it done, to get over my fear, to take the leap for me to stop stewing and start doing. Courage is not about not being afraid. It's about feeling fear and taking action anyway, like Batman. So if you want to get into that room, the way to get in is to email me at info at teachinglittlebrains.com. Um, I will link that in the show notes so it's nice and easy. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Teaching Little Brains podcast. I am your host, Sarah Nikarak, and I am so looking forward to seeing you on the inside. As Batman says, I will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Bye for now. <laughs>